0: Such a such a pleasant stay. But now it's time for me to go. The autumn moonlight's my way. But now I smell the rain, and with it pain, and it's heading my way. Uh, sometimes I go so tired But I know I've got one thing I've got to do I ramble on. I'm out of the, time, the time is now Sing my song I'm going around the world I've got to find myself On my way I've been this way Ten years till the day Ramble along I've got the creed of all my dreams I've got no time to spread it the time has come to be gone. Though I help me drank a thousand times come to them. Ramblin', now the time, the time is now. see myself song, I'm goin' around the world, I'm gonna find my girl, on my way. I've been this way many years, 'til that day. I got ramble I gotta find the queen of all my dreams. Mine's a so tale that can't be told. My freedom, I hold dear. How years ago, and days of hope, and magic filled the air. Just in the darkest depths of Mordor, I met a girl so fair, but Gollum at the evil wall, crept up and slipped away with her, 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 her yeah. I Ain't nothing I can do, now. Guess I keep on rapplin'. I'm gonna. Yeah, 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 yeah. Shit. my song. Find my baby. I'm gonna ramble my Run my on. my it on. do I gotta give searching baby, 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 I know like I my baby, 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 My, my, blue my, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Greetings and good day, this is Tabitha. Welcome to White Wellness. Today, September 22, 2022. Broadcasting out of New York for White Wellness Radio. it's song right there, Led Zeppelin, Ramble On, 1969. The topic and the title for today's broadcast is Autumnal Anew. And happy fall or autumn to everyone listening to the broadcast. This is the first day of fall, also known as the autumnal equinox. And yesterday, was the beginning of a Mabon, which is a pagan, for lack of a better word, holiday, which is considered the second harvest. And at this time, night and day are of equal length. Everything is in perfect balance. From this moment, the darkness starts to take over from light and our days grow shorter. Now is a time to reap what you have sown and give thanks for what you have achieved. Let go of what is no longer wanted or needed so winter can bring you a time to reflect and be at peace. Think about what you want, what you want to, what you want the coming year to bring you and how you can achieve it. So yeah, kind of a mystical, groovy, liminal time, perhaps where you're at in the world, you're feeling that first little bit of crisp weather. I know I'm feeling it here myself. The leaves, of course, have not gone to do their metamorphosis of change quite yet, but it's just nice to know that we're, in the the season of change right we're kind of changing from the heat into something a little more cool and a little more yin so a little bit about Maybon, a little bit about the equinox and and then we'll get to some other stuff just want to kick off the show with a little bit of seasonal stuff this actually uh was known as a pagan thanksgiving i guess back in the day and it's a celebration of the second harvest with Lunashta being the first where farmers gathered hearty foods like gourds, pumpkins, grapes, and apples, so all the wonderful, abundant things that are available these days in the market, whether it be the farm market, the grocer, or if you're growing those yourself. So modern celebrations for Mabon are a time to give thanks for the abundance of Mother Earth, both literally and in the spiritual way. It's also a good time to reflect on the wheel of the year, recognizing your success and letting go of the things that did not serve you during the past 12 months. So a lot of good stuff going on here. And the Greek goddess Demeter is much closely associated with the autumn harvest, as well as her grief at losing her daughter that turned the earth from the lush abundance to the barren cold. And that is um, Demeter and Persephone or Cirrus and Proserpina, which is another, the same myth, but just in a different, I think that Cirrus was... um, I'm forgetting what culture that was from, another European culture, but it's the same myth. It's the Hades myth of going to the underworld for some of the months and then coming back on kind of a misogynistic myth, but nevertheless, that's the basis of that. So where do we get the name for Mabon, you may ask yourself. It was named after an ancient Welsh hero, Mabon ap Madron, which means son of mother. Mabon is the second of three harvest festivals that take place in the wheel of the year with uh, Lugnashta being the first and Samhain or Halloween being the third similar to Apollo the figure of Mabon was depicted as a handsome youth with a leer and baby Mabon was said to have been held hostage as a baby in the other underworld similar to the story of Persephone and Demeter or Cirrus and Proserpina. this is a groovy time to set intentions about anything it could be ending foul relationships unhealthy habits self-destructive beliefs And there's some symbology that goes along or symbolism that goes along with Mabon. The cornucopia comes to mind, of course, also with Thanksgiving, known as the Horn of Plenty, as well as pine cones and seeds, Uh, dark colors that we associate this time of year, kind of like the lower chakra colors, orange and red and yellow, brown, copper, dark yellow, even dark green. And luscious foods, corn and beans and squash, apples, pumpkins, cider, root vegetation, pomegranates and wine. And the herbs associated, yarrow, rosemary, sage, mugwort and rose hips. Some stones or crystals, amber, citrine, cat's eye, adventurine, sapphire and jasper. And the flowers of sunflower, thistle and marigolds are also associated with Mabon. And the deities associated with Mabon would be Mabon, the green man. Demeter, Persephone, Morgan, Pomona, and Inanna. And some animals are also associated with this time of year, the owl, the stag, the blackbird, and the salmon. So a lot of good stuff. These these um, holidays and rituals are just good ways for us to kind of root in because there's so much out there, probably more so than ever before, every day, nonstop, 24-7. They live, we sleep. There's all this stuff out there to take us away from rooting into the natural world, engaging in these natural ancestral racial rituals. So There's a lot to be said for just taking a pause and, you know, maybe cooking something groovy, maybe making some herbal tea, you know, doing some type of rituals, maybe, you know, releasing, like they said, foul habits or foul relationships, self-destructive beliefs. So there's a lot that we can do during this liminal time of year. So when we ever have this, we should always kind of utilize it to our advantage. At least that's, that's what I think, right? and we also have and mabon goes from September 21 to September 29 so we're in it like all of these holidays these you know I really don't like that word pagan let's just say indigenous because we are indigenous let's 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 take that word pluck it out of the context that they're utilizing it in like what you know like taking the rainbow back for example taking unicorns back these are indigenous rituals essentially mabon you know sawin But we also have in the middle of everything happening, the autumnal equinox or the fall equinox, which happens today, Thursday, September 22. This is the date that marks the start of fall in Northern Hemisphere and spring in the Southern Hemisphere. So there's a little bit about that. And uh, it's happening yet today, September 22nd. It's the day that it happened. And in the sun, the Southern Hemisphere, of course, because they're on the opposite, their autumnal equinox is actually or was actually Sunday, March 20th of this year. So opposite. But for those of us who are in the Northern Hemisphere, it's autumn. So this is the time where we mark the beginning of fall in Northern Hemisphere. And during an equinox, what happens is the sun crosses what we call the celestial equator, an imaginary extension of the Earth's equator line into space. not really sure if that's necessarily true given all the theories of earth the equinox occurs precisely when the sun's center passes through this line and of course this is this is the beginning of all those luscious and beautiful colors and the word equinox is actually a latin word it comes from equis, meaning equal and nox meaning night so equal night so on the equinox day and night are roughly equal in length and the same thing would be true of the um the spring, the spring one too. The spring equinox. It's it's, it's the same amount of time. Then, of course, during the spring, we have that day. You know that daylight savings thing, where we spring forward, we lose an hour, and then we fall back, which is coming. I think November second is the fall back, where it gets darker, but we lose that hour of sleep. I know some people really hate that day. I always find that it it takes a bit to adjust to. I think that's done on purpose. Not every country does that. So I think it's done on purpose to just kind of mess with people's circadian rhythms. So if there's a full moon that occurs nearest to the autumnal equinox, this moon is known as the harvest moon. And typically moons are named for activities that would occur around them. This is a harvest time. This is a time when a lot of the summer vegetation is kind of like, you know, going by the wayside, the, the softer, juicier things, the peaches and tomatoes, all that lovely stuff. And now we're getting into the firmer, more, more young stuff, the winter squash, the apples, the pears, the cranberries, all that luscious stuff. So it's a groovy time of year, um, enjoy it, whatever rituals that you have planned for yourself, taking walks, noting the foliage, just just whatever you want to do to enjoy it. You'd be making some ritual meal. There are so many ways to enjoy this time of year, just like there's ways to enjoy every day, um, regardless of the Zio sludge that's, you know, being churned out, you know, 600 million agendas per, per minute. That's what it seems like these days. So a little bit there about uh, fall and uh, maybon and maybe incorporating some of those rituals and seasonal foods and, and symbols into your uh, regime. So now I also want to do the word of the week because we haven't done this in a while. This is a long break that I think I took. I think the last time I think I'd done a show was what, August 30 and now it's September 22. It was a good break though. It was nice to kind of just take a wee break from the, the pace of always doing a show and always kind of being on and, and researching. So it was nice just to kind of chillax and, and not, um, not be so on all the time, but also just kind of reflect and think because oftentimes I think the best quote research is not really doing research, it's the absence of taking in information. Oftentimes that's when the wisdom just kind of comes to you, you just kind of channel it, you know, it just kind of appears to you. I think sometimes when we overload ourselves with information, which is very much popular and very much celebrated, just like the idea of always being busy, right? I think oftentimes we can lose sight when we take in too much. So it's nice to kind of take those wee breaks here and there and not take in, you know, a massive amount of information and be able to reflect and kind of clear your brain. So let's pick the word of the week. Now, let's see what I got going on here. That's a weird sounding word. The word of the week is Baker need Baker B-A-K-E-R hyphen need K-N-E-E apostrophe D. Eighteenth-century description of someone whose knees rubbed together when he or she walked as if kneading dough. Bakers, once jocularly known as burn crusts, were said to be especially vulnerable to knee problems as their knees typically bent slightly backward because they stood whilst making bread. Another anatomical term applied to bakers was baker-legged, describing one whose legs bent outwards. Records also indicate that Baker's feet were often twisted, badly shaped, or otherwise malformed. Maybe it wasn't from standing. Maybe it was from taking in too much, too much grain. Who knows? It makes me think of uh, the whole idea of witches flying when they ate grain that had ergot, which is a fungus that's a hallucinogen. So was it really how they stood? Was it the thoughts they had when they stood? Did they really actually want to be standing? or was it actually what they were creating? And I read something the other day regarding baker's dozen. Most people know that means 13, not 12. And the origin of that goes back to, I believe the middle ages when bakers were known for scrimping on ingredients and making loaves extra tiny. So I think they passed this law where you had to give an extra loaf, baker's dozen, meaning 13, and in some instances actually 14, to make sure that you weren't cheating the customer and i believe that if you were caught cheating the customer you could be fined or even uh, beaten with a stick so that's the origin of the baker's dozen kind of a a wild origin something i never knew albeit always familiar with the term but anyway the word of the week was baker need knee with a apostrophe d all right so we are Getting into more territory now, talking about just, um, oh, a lot of stuff. A lot of stuff's been happening. Let's just take a gandy at the chat. Epiphany is saying it's still 80 degrees or so in AZ, Arizona. Well, that would make sense. Here on the uh, East Coast, it's getting a little cooler. So someone else is saying that the show sounds racist. Hmm, I don't know if I would say that. Um, Racialist, normal, truthful, things like that. And Leroy is saying, dance and sing, enjoy the drum circle around the fire in sky clad. That sounds pretty good. Epiphany is saying, I staged my home and salted my doorways. I was just doing some sage before the broadcast started, actually. Um, Oftentimes I do. Sometimes I'll use Palo Santo, which is really groovy. It's this wood that's got a wonderful smell, but I was just saging a little bit while the song was playing. Leroy is also saying, gather your harvest, your mushrooms, the herbs and the vegetables. Will is the law, love under will. Walking on the path, deep in the stream of life, we only step into the moment once. 90s in East Tennessee. Well, yeah, I guess anyone uh, who's in the South or in more of the West is going to have that, that weather. When people always say that the thing they like about the Northeast is that we do get these four seasons, although they're kind of getting a little muddy and weird and things like that. So the four seasons aren't as nearly crisp as they were back in the day. It used to be cold in November years ago. Now we don't really get cold until January. And six, four area is saying finally start to cool down in MN, Minnesota. So yeah, there is a lot of different weather going on across the country. So yeah, a lot of stuff has happened since I took my little break. I'd say most notably, I put out this message on Telegram, or what some of you might know as Talmudgram, a couple of weeks ago, announcing that I was um, departing from the pro-white movement. Of course, not departing from doing the show, not departing from Telegram, not departing from wellness counseling. I was just distancing myself from that movement, which I feel I have outgrown, And I didn't know what was going to occur when I posted that, but I just was in this state in my, uh, my existence where I just said to myself, you know what, it's, it's time to change things up. Right. And oftentimes for women, when we're in the the moon cycle phase of our cycle, which is the time when we bleed, we kind of have this liminal thing going on where we're very intuitive. We're very inner, drawn. And of course this is a tool that you can kind of cultivate, you know, more as, as time goes on if you're saying, "Oh, I don't I don't feel like that." Well, it takes time sometimes to cultivate this and be able to learn, you know, the different the different um different parts of the cycle. So it was during that time on a recent cycle where I said to myself, "If something's just kind of changed the direction of what's going on, I'm thinking like I'm being limited by associating myself with this milieu, just this milieu, right?" And it's not anything to do with Um, some people probably thought that it was was me saying I was departing from being a racialist, which is not true. That's like, you can't really depart from that. That's that's who you are, right? And even if I had never really gotten myself involved in these, quote, movements, that's still who I, I I would be. That's why I originally became attracted to these movements, because I always felt that I really didn't fit in so well In the health sphere, because of my beliefs on race, and then when I found myself kind of you know deeper in this you know movement and things, I realized that I didn't have uh beliefs that kind of synced up with a lot of the people there, so I kind of always felt I really didn't have like my own little niche, but at least in the confines of the movement or the outskirts of it, at least I wouldn't be attacked with you know kind of leftist vitriol, which you will see oftentimes in a lot of these, quote, holistic circles. And personally, I don't think it's even possible to be holistic if you're not racial, because that's kind of like the basis of holistic health is racial hygiene. This just seems like common sense to me personally. Um, But anyway, I wrote this thing on Telegram. I know some of you are on Telegram, some of you are not. So I always like to make sure that we can all share and hear the same thing. i wrote this post and it got a pretty ample traction too and like i said the majority of people were were really um feeling the same way i think about almost 2500 people saw this post so it did get a lot of um a lot of traction and a lot of people actually came forward after i wrote this feeling the same way so maybe it was something that a lot of us were feeling just it hadn't been put into words and others were like, Oh yeah, totally. I feel the same way. So this is what I wrote. And this was written. I'm not even sure what day I wrote this. Let's see just for hmm. this was written on September 7th. So going back, I guess in a couple of weeks or so, but here is what I, I wrote, I wrote, it gives me great joy to announce my departure from the pro-white movement. After nearly five years of broadcasting and creating content in this milieu, I have come to the realization that it is a dead end. Whilst the movement attracts some individuals of eugenic caliber, the average consensus is low vibratory, lack of consciousness, and the laughable notion of male supremacy. I will continue to run my telegram channels, act as radio host and offer wellness counseling. I'm just fully distancing myself from a community that promotes rape, is stuck in the past, still doesn't comprehend the ills of allopathy, and is ultimately waiting for a savior to rescue them. The most important thing we can do is cultivate knowledge and self-sufficiency so we can sidestep the ongoing snares, for the system is forever broken and a radical reordering of society is the next logical step. The quote movement creates key stagnation as there is a lot of talk but no action, ultimately an echo chamber and an easy way for Zog to promote the false concept of white supremacy. It is also interesting to note that the majority of female public figures in the, quote, movement are either not really women, male trainees, or on the dole, which makes sense, as the movement has always been hostile towards women, when in reality, a society at its most lush would be centered around mothers and children. Here's to creating a future that is rooted in the laws of nature, not the dysfunctional musings of a fractured online community where we fear showing our faces to other humans. I look forward to sharing this optimized frequency with you. Satnam and Waheguru. So that's what I wrote. And like I said, it was shared all around. Most people were in agreement with what I said. And this is in no way, like I even said prior, I'm not abandoning these beliefs. These beliefs are our blood memories. I can't just abandon them. I'm just distancing myself from a movement that I feel is really uh, very unsavory. um, Essentially, in many ways, a like I said here, a snare to promote the false concept of white supremacy. And also I feel that it, it limits me. I want to be as panoramic as possible. So if I'm in the confines of a movement, which has a ideology, it keeps me from really being more panoramic, exploring more territory, being a better human, sharing better information on the posts and on, you know, on the broadcast. So That's kind of one of the things that I came to the realization of whilst I was on my little break right there. And this is nothing negative, nothing negative at all. This is is very, very positive stuff. The movement, if anything, like any of these movements, new age, whatever, these are all stepping stones. These are all things we find within our journey. You know, like even like, let's say maybe 10 years ago, some of us were looking at a David Icke video. Maybe we're not now because we're completely and totally past that. But these are stepping stones, right? These are things that we move through and then we move into something else. But I really feel that the movement really doesn't embody what I want to embody and what I want the world to look like, right? I mean, the movement really is not about national socialism it's not about radical centrist holistic optimization to the contrary there are many people in the movement or the the fringes of it who are extraordinarily unsavory um, addicted to pornography habituated to alcohol misogynistic just low-level people caught up in the snares of politics you know things like that right so i think that just moving away from it is a way to actually create more movement, right? Moving away from the movement creates more movement. What a wonderful thing. So that's kind of the realization that I've been coming to in the last couple of weeks. And I also created a creed of blood loyalism. I think I had shared this at some point. I I made one a while ago and then I shared another point on um, on Telegram. I share, I made an older one at one point, but this is a new and improved one that I actually just made and uh, I have it here that I want to share and the original one was shared a lot of times and some unsavory I think at one point told me to go fuck myself or told me I was a bitch and that they were stealing it and they were taking out one or two details they didn't like so whatever it's it's still my writing right so anyway I decided to create a credo that I think cre- um, kind of promotes the ideas that I think should we should be striving for and i called it the ancestral credo of blood loyalism i like that phrase blood loyalism and in a way they're so triggered everyone that word race racist all, even the word racialist which i think is a very nice word but it it's it's still a hot button word just like the word white it's so unfortunate this has happened with these words that have a good connotation they've been abused and perverted um by the skexis. so i really like this phrase blood loyalism. Right. I like that has a good, like strong sense to it. So I created this ancestral credo of blood loyalism. And this is what I would like a quote movement or anything to kind of showcase, not what the quote movement showcases, which I really think like overall, yes, there's some good points of kind of circling or, you know, going through that. But I think overall that that was probably really kind of created and given kind of like a, a buzz and an essence because it's easy for Zog to kind of box people in and then create snares within this movement. And a lot of people in those movements are still stuck in a lot of the snares. Unfortunately, maybe they don't know. I don't know. But when you're in this ideology, even like a religion, you may be so inculcated in the idea of staying within the confines of the ideology, you know, the box, the J box, if you will, that it's very hard to even think straight. And you can even develop things like Zog and Abismans, right? So here's the ancestral credo of blood loyalism. We as natural sovereign humans believe in terrain theory over germ theory. Contagion does not cause disease. So how many people in the movement believe that? Some do certainly, but I mean, there are still outlets, I think like Nordic resistance that think the virus is real. So, I mean... I knew it was a hoax back in, oh my God, like March of 2020. We're like two and a half years into this. It's it's, it's a zoggler that anyone could think that. The second one, being your own medicine shaman over the trauma-based mind control of allopathy, aka other suffering. And of course, people who believe there's a virus are most likely going to be caught up in the trauma-based mind control of allopathy, right? I mean, that's the real sovereign freedom. It's not, you know, being a racist, right? Because plenty of those people are really, really, really caught up in in the thicket of snares. The third thing, polygenism over monogenism. Monogenism is out of Africa that we all have one ancestor in Africa. That's, That's a hollow hoax, obviously. Polygenism states that we all have a different origin as races. The next one keeping to our own kind and not engaging in miscegenation or race mixing tantric conscious lovemaking over vapid porn sex and pornography, enjoying altered states, but not to the point of addiction. So moderate utilization of alcohol and plant medicines only moderation is key with everything right you want to have that radical centrist perspective, you don't want to swing to the Zog extremes, religious and spiritual beliefs that put blood first and are not universalist. And at first I had had something that said, no ex but then I realized that so many of these pagan beliefs are really just ex-dianity light in, in many regards. So to me, a spiritual belief should put blood first and not be universalistic. Natural conception and family planning methods, no chemical birth control. That's a big one. That's a big one that harms a lot of women because typically we're the ones that, you know, take these harmful castration medicines. That's essentially what they are. These are hormone blockers. They're not to balance your hormones. They block hormones just like puberty blockers that these pedotricians, pediatricians, but pedotricians, give to children who are. Um, victims of the transsexual agenda. Another one, birthing outside the system on the terms of the mother in an undisturbed fashion. Zogspel of birth is a big tether, humongous tether, um, and it's a, a trauma for a lot of women. Oftentimes, once they're able to birth outside the system, they can kind of heal that trauma. They can heal their own birth. A man can even heal his birth as a child by watching his wife or partner birth so there's so much healing that can happen outside of the zog industrial complex another thing on the list we acknowledge the dimorphic nature of sex as binary and that transsexualism is a pervasive perversion and part of transhumanism a society that honors the biological roles of men and women and is centered around motherhood and children a healthy and wholesome way of eating that includes both plants and animal foods none of this Zog extremism, the natural order of hierarchy and the awareness that both equality and supremacy are ideologies against nature. Those are both, you know, self-imposed ideas. I, I, I believe in the idea of superiority, more like hierarchical belief, but equality and supremacy, those are ideologies against nature. Those are those, that's the, the game of the enemy. And finally, rootsy tribalism over and local economy over cosmopolitan globalism and big box corporations so that's the ancestral credo of blood loyalism and i don't see maybe a couple of them but i don't for the majority i don't see the majority of these things on this list being things that the movement would agree with and that's why I've said what I said, and that's why I'm here where I am. Moving into newer territory, getting a frequency upgrade. What a, what a beautiful thing that is, right? As opposed to staying same all the time. They would like for us to stay same. but part of being alive is evolving, right? That's <laughs> You want to be the same all the time? No, we want to be able to learn from things. and We want to be able to go through life and, you know, figure stuff out and, and upgrade ourselves as opposed to being caught in the same, same all the time. So that's a little bit right there about um, how I was feeling in the last couple of um, weeks on my break, and just really relaxing into a lot of interesting information, um, reading a lot about Taoism, reading a lot about a lot of interesting stuff. And whenever you get like a new paradigm or a new information way of thinking, it makes you think of things in the past, maybe in a different light, right? Because you're getting a new kind of like new lens or new monocle a new way of thinking about things so i've been looking into a lot of that type of stuff and just just taking it easy and and also importantly not exposing myself to too much of the the sludge stuff out there because um there's so much of that granted it doesn't really have too much of an effect on on me because i just find a lot of it just kind of if it wasn't so tragic maybe there would be a hilarity to it to an extent but i just i just see it and it doesn't really affect me i think that's kind of how we have to be we have to create this this even keel emotional balance where we're aware of what's happening but we don't allow it to you know destroy our day destroy our mood destroy you know our, our sense of goodness which i know can sometimes be hard when there's so many distractions all over the place but interestingly enough or maybe not interesting enough um Ever since I said what I said about this, this, and how I felt, the pages have become more popular than ever before. I thought maybe that some people were going to be like, oh, you know, screw her, you know, what the fuck? I'm not going to be on this page anymore. But I didn't have that reaction. I had a lot of people who actually wrote me messages privately or in the chat, and actually the numbers went up on the followers. So, fantastic i guess maybe other people felt the same way maybe they just weren't able to put it into words whatever it is well here it is and uh i'm glad that this created some type of a catalyst i felt it feels good to be able to Say something and have it have it resonate with you know others. I think a lot of us have kind of gotten to that point where we feel kind of stale within the confines of the movement. But there's we're looking for something else out there that serves. You know, it's actually a very common kind of situation that happens when someone is is done with you know the religion they were born into, and they're like, you know what, I I'm done with this but what else is there for me? Like, what else exists? Like, I don't want to leave the community aspect of maybe their religion, whatever it is, but they still don't know what else is next on the list, right? And that's kind of the situation here with the, quote, movement, the pro-white movement, you know, white nationalism. Most people now are referring to it as as pro-white as opposed to white nationalism, but there comes a point where you're just like, you know what, I'm I'm ready for something else. I'm ready for something more, something that's actually going to really create some type of movement, because I think that this quote movement just basically creates key stagnation, we don't need any more key stagnation, there's enough of, of that going on in the world. So yeah, that's pretty much how I feel about all this type of stuff. And this is all this is all good stuff. It's not not negative in any regard. This is all positive stuff, just sharing how I how I feel about everything. Let's see, I got some questions right here and yes i did have a nice break six four area and thanks for um for asking me i did just you know just kind of relaxing and not um taking in so much information because i'm always like on 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 you know taking notes like planning things in advance getting the perfect songs or what i think is a good song for the show but um yeah it was nice just to kind of recalibrate and just kind of relax into things so yeah it was good and we see we have that dude sean he's joining us hello and he's saying I stepped away from MGTOW. Well, I'm happy to hear that. Absolutely, that is a, a massive snare for men. Absolutely, uh, and I can understand maybe in certain light. I mean, the thing I really don't like about the MGTOW is the misogynistic edge. That's that's really foul and terrible, and and really is backwards thinking. But I think it attracts it attracts men who maybe have fears. Maybe they have traumas. You know, a lot of us have been through a lot of shit just living in this world, right? But to step away from that, it's almost like when a woman, you know, steps away from like these third and, and fourth wave feminism and said, you know, that was just a snare. You know, I was just a, a cog for Zog essentially in the end, right? So that's, that's very commendable. 6 for Arian is saying, Tabitha, you steal the words out of my mouth all the time. I could not agree more. Oh, cool. I don't know what words I actually stole, but um, yeah. And Josh is saying huzzah. An awesome word right there. And yes, pornography and politics are are big culprits. I think those snares tend to get um, men more than women, especially the pornography snare. That's a big, big snare. And if anyone hasn't checked the show out that I did, I guess it was a month or so ago, The Become Culture. That's a great show to familiarize yourself with the ills of pornography and how many, many youngsters are being inadvertently exposed to it. That was a shocker, just doing some of the research for that show. But the pornography thing is, is huge. Um, and it's, it's a huger thing now, I think, than it's probably ever been in society. And I was thinking about this the other day with pornography. A lot of pornography focuses on the one male fluid, right? the one fluid that men are known for you know, just men essentially. And that's semen, of course. So much of pornography revolves around that, right? And it doesn't revolve around any of the fluids of a woman's body, breast milk, blood, yoni juice. You know, we ladies have all these fluids and the guys only have one and pornography revolves around that one fluid that if a man exposes it too often, he'll become weak. So is there an agenda out there to get men to give away their life force, right? If anything, if you look at the ancient Taoist texts, they talk about how the fluids of a lady's body, they call them the three libations. They have the upper libation, which is the mouth, the saliva, the middle libation, which would be the nipples, and the lower libation, which is the yoni. And it's been said in the ancient texts that those fluids will actually nourish a man, will actually give him vitality and yin essence. And then what do we see in pornography? It's all fellatio based, very little cunnilingus, maybe if it's, you know, lesbian pornography. And it's all about the expulsion of this life force fluid. And it's focused on that. So many genres are focused on that. We can really see when we look at this through the Taoist lens, talking earlier about lenses, having the right lens of looking through things, the National Socialistic lens, the Taoist lens, the Vedic lens, the Germanic medicine lens. Right? We can really see this is a very deep agenda. It's not just about getting men habituated to masturbation. It's about getting them to spill their life essence literally on the floor multiple times per day in some instances, whilst they could be nourishing themselves by practicing ejaculation or retention and then engaging in, um, you know, lovemaking pleasures with the lady and sampling the three libations. So it's kind of weird how inverted things are. It really, really is when you look at it at this, this deep, this deep level of things. But I think they create these things this way on purpose, because wouldn't it behoove the controllers to basically invert literally everything? Absolutely. And that's what they do. Leroy is saying, I'm a bit open-minded, but will give T a chance to win my mind. Um, Zog, yeah, Josh is helping. Zionist operated government. Oh, okay, Josh is helping out with the slang. I appreciate that, Josh. Yeah, I use a, I use a little bit of slang um, on the show from time to time. <laughs> um, so yeah, Leroy is saying, hedonistic joys of life are good or bad in your opinion. Well, it depends what you define as hedonistic. Um, I think pleasure is an essential aspect of of life, um, but what is pleasure to somebody, right? I mean, is pleasure eating an entire bucket of KFC chicken, or is it going for a brisk hike, right? I think I think the idea of decadence and hedonism, I don't really think. I think that that's kind of almost like a a slovenly kind of inverted aspect of it. But I think that we really should have joy and pleasure in our life, but it has to be healthy pleasure and healthy joy, if that makes sense. Epiphany is saying medical errors are the third leading cause of death. Why anyone trusts the Zogsters? I don't know. Yeah, it is. Ever heard those mind-zoggling stories about the opposite leg being cut off? Like worst, worst, you know, like case scenario you could think of. So yeah they call it um harm it's harm that's done by dr z and there's a lot of that unfortunately I mean, th- these people who become dr z's they're just they're not like gods they're just like some woman or man who went through the mk ultra pogrom program of medical school and now believes what the church of zog or church of allopathy says These these are just they're just people, you know? That's it. They're not like, you know, gods or something like that. And Mr. P is saying, hello and greetings. Josh is saying, it's become a bell movement and there's not enough toilet paper. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It reminds me of those people at the beginning of OEAD AI, the beginning of the quote, pandemic, who were buying like loads of TP. And were those like the footages of people like buying like two, three, four like packages of it? I, were these people who like needed to use that much, I got the feeling that the people who stocked up on the TP in the beginning of the quote pandemic were people who needed to, you know, use a lot of it because maybe their diet was was not so good, you know. And the dude Sean is saying, "I'm done with the mask world." Yeah, the mask is it's still happening here, um, not as much, but I still do see it. But I think it's like some people, you could tell them anything and they're always going to be wearing it. That's, that's, it's their rosary, whatever, you know, Mr. P is saying, um, I'm, um, an atheist, I think. Okay. All right. I, I briefly explored that at a certain point, um, in my life, like for a month years ago, but then I realized that I wasn't a universalist, but I also wasn't an atheist either. And I was always a theist. I just didn't believe the theism that most of the time passes as theism. Leroy is saying, I'm sorry. I thought this podcast was a different subject matter. Unfortunately, I don't think I would qualify for your follower. Blessed be. May enlightenment and joy fill your daily life. Fill your life daily. Well, thank you for that. And you're welcome to um, listen. Anyone's welcome to listen to this show. Predominantly, the listenership tends to be white. But anyone is is, is welcome to listen to the show if you have a natural perspective on life essentially so you're welcome to to stay here ask questions i'm happy to have you here okay let's see a couple of things you're saying you're american italian cherokee not anglo-saxon that's fine that's fine you're welcome here just checking out some more thing okay i'm not exactly white i have no issue with anyone who and proud of their heritage but i don't think i qualify for your audience no that people i actually have fans or followers listeners who are of many different races just most of the listeners happen to be of european descent whether they're american south african news from new zealand from australia um from europe but i have people who listen who are from all all parts of the world so you're always welcome to listen and you know regardless and i I appreciate your honesty too so yeah I don't consider myself a racist. I consider myself a racialist. Um, I'm proud to be um, of European descent. I do not wanna see the European race genocided. I don't wanna see any race genocided. I don't believe in that personally. I'm not that kind of person. I think that every race has the um, should have the ability to flourish in their own environment. Um, the idea of genociding people is a very Talmudic belief system I personally don't believe in that so i believe that people should be able to have their culture and their racial integrity intact they should be able to enjoy their their holidays their food their celebrations on their land but i don't agree with the idea of of genocide of other races i know some people in the movement other reason that i distance myself like i don't believe in that like i don't i don't go around wishing um ill on other people right Mr. P is saying, I think racist people are horrible and closed minded. I just don't like utilizing that word personally. You know, I think a racialist is someone who is proud of their heritage. And essentially, we should all be proud of our heritage, right? Maybe we'd have less racial tension in this world if we were proud of who we were, as opposed to wanting to be who somebody else is, right, which is a humongous problem. Everyone's always wanting to kind of be somebody else. But that's what the Sludge media is promoting to us, right? That media does not benefit anybody. It, it never has. It's worse now than it ever has been. Mr. P is saying, I'm from the UK. Well, I'm from uh, the States. You can probably tell by my accent that I'm from the States. So yeah, just a little bit there, a little bit of a, of a, da- of a track from everything else, but just talking about uh, pornography and the three libations and the whole uh, pornography snare. There's so many snares these days. It's, it's even hard to keep up you know, with just documenting the snares. And speaking of snares or craziness, here is some craziness that I actually just saw the other day. Um, actually, just a little bit earlier today. This is a zoggy, 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 zoggy story. Uh, this is actually out of Germany. Shall sure I say Germany? Given this, but this is a, a story about PETA. Maybe some of you guys are familiar with the People for Ethical Treatment of Animals, and that's really not what they do. I mean, wouldn't it make sense that these organizations that pretend to care about animals, pretend to care about um, children, and then you find out like this charity that's supposedly helping children is actually trafficking children, or an an organization that says they're against animal abuse is actually abusing animals that's how it works in this inverted world. Anyway, there's this zoggy, zoggy thing they're trying to do in Germany. Get a load of this. Men who eat meat should be banned from having sex, animal rights group claims. So men who eat meat should be banned from having sex. (laughs) What? What the fuck? (laughs) That is so crazy. (laughs) But let's continue reading. The German branch of the People for the Ethical Treatment of Animals, PETA, believe all men who eat meat should avoid having sex because it's a symptom of toxic masculinity. You guessed it. The group claimed that men contribute much more to the climate crisis than women, mainly because of how much meat they eat. Well, typically, a man might eat more food because maybe he's larger and burns calories differently remember there are biological differences between the sexes it referenced research from last year published in the scientific journal plus one plos one which found that men emit 41 percent more greenhouse gases than females because of their eating habits now this greenhouse gas stuff all this climate change stuff this is just this is fear this is to make us feel guilty for eating a little piece of meat you know, going outside and breathing, they want us to feel guilty about everything. The research suggests that women should embark on a sex strike to save the world. And even mentions preventing carnivorous men from having children. And know that every child not born would have 5.6 tons of CO2 a year. And this is so interesting because typically, not always, typically a man who eats meat is going to look more virile and masculine traits that typically women find attractive in men. So this agenda sounds like an agenda to basically create depopulation, right? Because we always go for someone who we kind of you know, feel an in, in, in essence of polarity from, right? I mean, sometimes when women take things like the birth control pill, they actually will end up picking a mate that really isn't what they would normally pick and also messes with their sense of smell, unfortunately. Who doesn't know them? The suburban fathers handling beer bottles and barbecue tongs who sizzle the 70-cent sausages on their 700-pound grill, said someone who's one of the campaign team leaders for PETA. He also accused dads of seemingly proving their manhood through conspicuous meat consumption. We've heard this bullshit before that men eat meat to prove they're masculine. I think that humans eat meat because there's a biological need for the nutrients and the the protein. I've never once thought that I was eating something to kind of like uh, prove my womanhood. And I don't really know if most men I know have ever eaten something to prove their manhood. This is, this is just so ridiculous. It's almost laughable if it wasn't dangerous in the propagandic perspective. The fact that Germany's, quote, grill masters believe they have to prove their masculinity to themselves and their peers by consuming meat is not only to the detriment of the animals, now there's scientific evidence that toxic masculinity harms the climate. So pretty soon, what's the agenda going to be? Being masculine is bad for the environment. You must be a castrate, otherwise you're going to kill the planet. How have we gotten here with these agendas? These are just mind-zoggling. As we as well as suggesting a ban on sex and reproduction. This individual who's a, uh, a campaign leader for PETA also believes there should be an extensive meat tax. they have been talking about this for a long time. A meat tax of 41% for men. So a sex-based tax. For all fathers who still grilled meat and want children with a future worth living on a livable planet, we recommend changing their lifestyle. The proposed ban on sex in meat eating caused men some anger in Germany, which is famous for brawurst and schnitzel, schnitzel. Why, why, why wouldn't it cause them anger? Right? <laughs> of course it does. This is this is absolute total nonsense. It says that the MP um, from Germany's Christian Social Union Party, who's also a master butcher, Alois Rainer said that the idea was total nonsense. And he's right, of course, it's absolute nonsense. Nonsense. They're also saying a UK conservative Alicia Kearns is saying that it was a sexist assumption to suggest many more meat and women don't and that men don't women don't enjoy sex as much as men so it can be used as a tool. Yeah, that's ridiculous too. This is so ridiculous. Basically, it reinforces the idea that sex should be used as a weapon, which is it's, it's, a, it's a toxic thing to do to somebody anyway. So they're saying that women should say or the the end of the article is saying, we really don't care about your sex life. What we do care about is the planet and the animals we share it with. No, these people don't care about your sex life. They don't care about your diet. They don't care about the planet and they don't care about animals. They don't care about anything, nothing. They're just trying to use these people as a pawn. Getting people to give up meat is going to be one of their hardest agendas. yet. they can get people to, you know, Parade around in the costume, force them to use the transsexual pronouns, but getting people off of their natural human diet, that's going to be very hard, right? Even using tactics like this, you look, they're pitting the sexes against each other to create you know divide and conquer, and also to basically get people off of their natural human diet. I mean every culture in the world has a history of meat, whether it was a you know like a grilled meat dish raw meat dishes, you know, fermented meat, every culture in the world has a history of a, of at least one, if not many meat based dishes, depending on the meats that are geographically available in that part of the world. So this is absolute, absolute nonsense, completely ridiculous. I really hope that the humans in Germany are not, you know, not b- giving into this agenda, because this is just absolute crap. Let's take, um, a gander right here Peta. people eating tasty animals is what leroy is saying (laughs) that's hilarious (laughs) but yeah that's kind of what it is this fellow uh his name is epic web europe is insane us in canada and usa take our countries for granted in switzerland they're trying to imprison people for settling their setting their thermostat too high yikes that is absolute madness. Wow, that is crazy. (laughs) And this dude, Sean is saying climate change is a big example of inverted, they spray in the skies. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. They're creating they're creating this. It's 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 ridiculous. And they want us to feel guilt, right? Remember, a couple of months back, I did a show where I talked about these climate confessionals where they were trying to get people to go into this mock confession booth and confess their climate sins. Ridiculous. Climate change hoax is a big tent of self-hating cult for everyone. Absolutely. And it's tied, it's tied very much to, um, the veganism cult. It's tied to the virus cult. It's tied to all of these cults where people think that they're doing something for humanity, Uh, wearing the costume. Not eating meat, um, you know, lessening their carbon footprint, whatever. These people are complete and total pawns, just like the transsexual agenda. These people are, are victims; they're pawns. It's very sad, but that's the reality of what it is, right? But yeah, I hope—I really hope—that no one in Germany takes this takes this seriously. This is ridiculous. I mean, absolutely ridiculous. But maybe they will. I mean. That country has been through so much you know with the going back to world war ii and still i'm sure a lot of the germans there who don't even know you know the origins or the true story of world war ii just you know get all this guilt piled on them and this is just another layer of guilt this whole thing with um you know uh men who eat meat should be banned from having sex that's ridiculous Let's take a Gandhi at the chat. Epiphany is saying, the climate is always changing. I remember back in the day we were supposed to be heading towards another ice age. Yeah, remember that? Like in the 90s, they were talking about that. I mean, they've been they've been talking about this stuff forever. Killer bees, acid rain. I remember the whole acid rain agenda like in the 90s. Like, don't go outside. The rain is acid. They've been uh, fomenting and hoaxing this out forever. It's just like the virus thing. Like before we had OA we had but we had Ebola, we had um, H1N1, we had avian flu. I mean, they've been hoaxing us, the whole AIDS hoax or the HIV hoax. I mean, they've been hoaxing us out with these things for decades, but people are in this suspended state of fear. And that's what really gets people, right? Fear and guilt. These are two, these are emotions. They're lower emotions, like from the the ideas of like, you know, joy and ecstasy and love. Those are the high emotions that we feel, but they keep people in this low grade of emotions, right? They keep them in this low grade of fear and guilt. And it's very successful for basically creating this like zogative dissonance. You can just kind of bat a person around almost like, you know, they're like a ping pong ball or something. It's terrible. The dude shown is saying trauma-based mind control. Yeah, exactly. That's what it is. That's definitely what it is. I pick Web is saying the COVIDs is what woke me up to the entirety of allopathy being a fraud. I was always anti-vax for kids even before it, but still believed in germ theory and didn't realize that there's an alternative. Love the show. I listen often, but just now made an account to comment. Oh, awesome. I'm glad that someone else is saying that SMW. I'm glad to hear that. Um, I'm glad you're here too. And yeah, I've heard that from a lot of people that the whole quote pandemic woke them up. So there was a silver lining to this, right? Did it put some people into a deeper, darker slumber? Absolutely. But it also woke up a lot of people, which is a really good thing. So we have that as a as a kind of um like a, you know, a, a buffer to it. So we're at the um, hour mark now that went by pretty quickly. We're going to play a song. And we're going to be right back on the broadcast. I'm your host Tabitha. This is White Wellness Radio. And you're listening to Autumnal anew. Thank you. And we are back. That was Blind Faith with Can't Find My Way Home, the original acoustic version, also from 1969. And I'm your host, Tabitha. You are listening to Autumnal Anew on White Wellness Radio. So before the break, we were just talking about this very, very zoggy thing they're trying to do in Germany by uh, banning men who eat meat from having sex. Of course, they would need, you know, I guess the compliance of the other party, the men we're gonna have sex with. How does this work for men who were trannies or homosexuals, I wonder? I don't know, I don't even know if I want to know actually. This is such a a stupid and and shitty and ridiculous idea. I really hope that people just take it as satire because that's kind of how I'm taking it, it's satire. We're getting some more comments. Uh, IPWWB said, "I knew was talking about um, the virus. I knew it was part of Agenda Twenty One and the protocols from the outset. For the first month, I thought it was real, but over not thought it was real, but overstated. I remember when it first happened. I remember thinking, I'm like, I wonder if they're dropping some toxin from the sky. I remember thinking about that. I'm like, it wouldn't it wouldn't be past them to do that. So I did wonder that for a moment." But then I thought, you know what, I'm like, then everyone would just be, you know, lining the streets dead. So it, it can't be that. But I did wonder, like, what exactly was what they were doing. But I was familiar with terrain theory uh, and germ theory being a hollow hoax years prior. But I still wondered if they were doing something, you know, nefarious just to mess with people on like a higher level. So and the dude Sean saying this episode is epic. I'm glad you hear that. I'm glad to hear that. And you like that. And the fellow was saying i'm max power from your telegram channel oh hello max there is a way to change it um maybe if you go like into your phone and go to the settings you can find a way to change your uh change your name i'll just refer to you as max from now on if you're if you're chatting so yeah cove i'm stealing that <laughs> yeah i've heard it called that i like to call it um because Oyid oy sounds like the word that they're using, and you know, oive oy oyid, oy like Yiddish, and then uh, AI for nineteen because it's part of the artificial intelligence uh, transhumanistic agenda, right? Yeah, that's unfortunate, but that's what it is. But that's what I, that's what I like to call it. I like to call it oyid oy AI. So I think it's a, I think it's a funny word, and also using and calling that kind of lets you fly under the radar in regards to. You know um people getting censorship and stuff like that so that's why that's why i call it that max is saying i was thinking it was 5g for a bit too which could definitely be making people sick as well those towers just look plain evil i think that that definitely could cause um part of it because if someone's got loads of of heavy metals into their body and of course people who are getting these vaccinations they probably already have metal load in their body in general And then they're getting more metal and they're going to come like a tether for the 5G. So I think there's many, many reasons, right? And then there's also the the thing you think about it from a dramatic new medicine perspective, people who fear something and think they're going to get sick or the mind is so powerful, right? So if you literally think something's going to happen, hey, it's going to happen, right? So all the people who were so scared, so, so, so scared that something was going to happen, they became ill right? Because they that's what they did. They became ill. So I think there's also a lot of that too, from the emotional perspective, like the people who think that this is actually kind of hilarious in, in certain regards, the people who think that they're literally like outrunning the virus every single day, like their life is like involved in like crime fighting, this invisible that doesn't exist. I mean, that almost sounds like a delusion. It, it is a delusion, but there are people like that who think they're like fighting crime. by like wearing two masks. It's it's, it's uh, kind of funny. The dude Sean is saying, I knew they were lying the second they came out to the podium in the lab coats with the stethoscope overacting much. Yeah, I think one of the big tip-offs that it was a lie was were those stupid, ridiculous dance routines. I'm sure many of us listening remember those ridiculous dance routines, some of them where they put that humongous butt on. It was like a big I don't even know what the hell it was made of but those ridiculous dance routines so of course we're to believe that the hospital or the zog is brimming with people who are literally ill and dying but there's time for for doing dance moves it's yeah the whole thing was just absolute ridiculousness absolute ridiculousness and here we are you know here we are we're at a point now where it's kind of like it's fading into into the memories into the ethers but nevertheless it still exists right Max is saying in my area southern Nova Scotia I've noticed more people wearing the muzzle they haven't even been ramping up the propaganda it's just second nature to the sheep by now when fall comes put it back on ritualistic behavior yeah and they'll be brewing something like ooh it's um it's flu season you better wear your mask you better double up the mask oh it's thanksgiving christmas you know people are coming over you better wear the mask so yeah it's it is sad epiphany it's really sad um but some people this is just this is what they do this is this is this is a facet of their life from now on you know and they're going to impose it on their children and it's i feel so bad for the youngsters that have gotten mixed up in this the youngsters who didn't know what life was like before this don't even know what people look like without the costume there's so many tragic long-term psychological ramifications of this that we are not even going to know apart from the vaccination of course which is was poison all vaccinations are poison and useless and harmless well not even to say they're useless would mean that they don't do anything they are they're useful they're useful in a nefarious perspective but yeah we don't even know the long term of what this is going to do psychologically to youngsters the whole thing is, is it a total and complete mess not even to mention the fact that they're wearing that costume their breathing is bad their faces are growing. It could, you know, make their face and their, their, their tongue posture all messed up. There's, there's so many aspects of this that are just so wrong and so sad. Six for Aaron is saying fuck Zog. Yeah, I totally agree. And Max is saying the effects on children are the most blood boiling aspect. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's, it's just, it's so, um, we almost feel like Anger, but like this kind of like helplessness, right? And that can even create more anger and more conflict. Even if we don't personally know these people, it could still just cause that. So, it's it's a lot to take in. The dude Sean is saying same here. It's causing suicide in teens. OMG, WTF? Yeah, a lot of youngsters probably think, well, well, hell, what's what's the point of going on after this, right? Yeah, it's a lot of a lot of craziness in the world today. And speaking of craziness, I have to mention this Uh, i posted on telegram but this was just absolutely over the top so there was this transsexual a male transsexual an autogynophile an autogynophile for people who don't know what an autogynophile is it is a man who has a sexual fetish in which he dresses up in um hypersexualized clothing typically associated with women and he thinks he's a woman and wants to be a woman and is getting off on the objectification and the misogyny of women it's a it's a very 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 sick fetish um rachel levine that man who's like some health director in pennsylvania that's an feel. there's typically two different types of male transsexuals there's the autogynephiles, and then there are like the sissy ones who are usually homosexuals who are kind of slight of build and typically pass. Those are the traps. And then we have the troons, which are these auto gynephiles that couldn't pass on their best day. So we had this crazy occurrence happen in um, a school in Ontario, in Canada. And one of the most hilarious parts of this entire story is that this man in this costume is a shop teacher. And I remember when I was in Public Fool, my shop teacher was a man. He was a masculine man. Uh, He had a mustache. Uh, He wore a flannel shirt and he looked like a shop teacher. So now this dude, who's going by the name Kayla Lemieux, which sounds like a pornographic film star, was wearing this enormous, and I mean, enormous, enormous prosthetic breast, like these prosthetic breasts, this like, they were so huge. And he was wearing them like low, like almost like around his waist. It was with these humongous, like prosthetic nipples, wearing this in the classroom. And I saw a video of this man, you know, doing some shop oriented stuff, like, you know, chopping a piece of wood, like using the saw. And now they're saying it's illegal to criticize this transsexual teacher with the huge prosthetic breasts. It's claimed disturbed, quote, disturbed students. Of course, why wouldn't it disturb students? and are skipping her classes, her, her, his, his classes. So the youngsters are skipping the class, no shit. And the school board is refusing to address parents' concern. And even worse, there was a symbol inside this individual's classroom of a spiral. Now, historically, the spiral is a symbol that's associated with the divine feminine, with goddesses, with women, everything to do with femininity. And that symbol, because a woman's cycle, her menstrual cycle, she's a cyclical being every week is different, right? It's a men are up and down, testosterone up, testosterone down. So that's a female symbol. The spiral symbol has been appropriated in modern culture to be a symbol of pedophilia. So this freak, this transsexual with these huge prosthetic breasts had this symbol inside the classroom. So this is an autogynophile, a misogynist a fetish, possibly fetishist, possibly a pedophile, in a classroom with children. And they're saying it's illegal to criticize this transsexual teacher. And I think this is because of some bill that was passed in Canada, I think it's C16 or C19. Maybe some of the people in the chat who are Canadian might know better than me. But there's this bill they passed. Um, Here it is the Ontario Human Rights Code. It's um, that gender quote, gender identity and gender expression are protected grounds under this code. So this individual cannot be quote discriminated against, even though this is, this is just, I mean, come on, right? This is this is insane. We all know it's insane. Anyone with a brain knows it's insane. But this is what's happening, and I doubt that a woman who is a transsexual. Would go into the classroom with a humongous um you know prosthetic of a penis. I can't really see that happening in general. I just it just I don't think it's would happen, but imagine the outpour if that happened. Imagine if a female, an actual female, went into the classroom in a costume like this. Let's just say she had really large breasts. Let's say she wanted to wear a prosthesis, let's say she had breast implants, whatever it may be. A woman like this would be sent home if she was an educator. I've actually read stories about that where a female educator was sent home because her outfit was quote, too sexy. And now we see this article written here on theglobeandmail.com, probably just some trash rags, IO sludge. Uh, I think it's a Canadian, is it Canadian? Um, Maybe it is, got a lot of Canadian stories on here. But anyway, here's someone with a very, very triple parentheses sounding name and a woman, you know, an actual woman, not a not a tranny, is saying that the Ontario teacher's prosthetic bust offers a lesson about, you guessed it, body shaming, right? So of course, it's not the fact that there's this pervert in this costume pretending to be a woman around children, but the fact that the youngsters who don't wanna to go to the class are engaged in body shaming and of course it's the fault of the adults around her not him for sexualizing her meanwhile you go out with a prosthetic breast as a man humongous with humongous nipples and other people are sexualizing you this is the world we live in right everything is inverted so of course it's the fault of the adults it's the fault of the children it's probably the fault of anybody who quote misgenders this man right? So it's not the man's fault for being a fetishist and a, men- a mental patient, right? Because this is obviously, I wonder what dramatic new medicine would say about this, right? How, what constellation of, of insanity is this, right? This is absolute madness. Like, I can't even imagine a situation like this happening when I was in, um, you know, in, in school, because this, this wouldn't have happened. But they're saying that it's okay for a quote, cisgender, I hate that word, woman to wear a padded bra, or a woman to have breast implants, or a woman to have a mastectomy. But it's not okay. Oh my god, it's not okay for a transgender woman to do that. Okay, this this person is is insane is appropriating the female form is a misogynist is a mental patient, a possible child abuser. But the people who object to this individual parading around their mental illness, and let's not forget the voyeuristic aspect of this. This individual is engaged in voyeurism. This individual is an exhibitionist. This individual wants other people, mainly children, to be involved in his fantasy. Maybe he goes home after a day in school and actually fantasizes to what happened in the classroom while he touches himself. But no one can say anything because it's body shaming and we wouldn't want to be transphobic this is so dangerous um, this style of thinking and from what i've read about this whole transsexual agenda it's really just absolutely going very strong in canada like they're really pandering to this insanity on a insane insane level of depravity this is just mind-zoggling Max is saying, can't tell if that Ontario teacher with the fake breast is just taking the piss or if he's a true tranny. <laughs> yeah, I know. But you know what? Seeing something like this that's so ridiculously insane, so over the top, you know, a tremendous bust, you know, tremendous nipples. This is basically, this is this is like a quote red pill or whatever you want to call it because this is something for people to say, oh my God, are you serious, right? So this is actually in a way, He's helping awaken people to the perversion of the transsexual agenda. The dude, Sean, said some creeps put masks on kids and they wear it in front of their own kids as a sneaky way to abuse. Yeah, I'm sure a lot of these parents who have like Munchausen by proxy are like really into the costume. All the hypochondriacs, like all the people who think they're being amazing citizens. Whenever people think they're being an amazing citizen by, you know, wearing the mask, using the pronouns, you know, these are probably people who really aren't good people. They're probably pretty shitty, actually. Max is saying there was another teacher in the same district who taught in a class in a furry suit. Oh my. Ooh. It's crazy. And I, I don't even know if the news really covered this thing about the Ontario teacher. Supposedly there was a story that was being covered about some youngster who identified as being, quote, queer. Um, and I think if you're if you identify as a cat, you're considered queer according to like LGBTP theory so they were putting a litter box in the classroom for the youngster to use a litter box because the youngster thought they were a cat maybe they were just promoting that so we wouldn't get wind of this story of this you know this horrendous ontario tranny you know oh yes you're right uh, dude sean the maskers enjoy the reactions yeah <laughs> sean max is saying body shaming a halloween costume <laughs> that whatever that man was wearing and that shopkeep um teacher or the shop teacher. That was a Halloween costume. I've seen Halloween costumes that look like that. Effervescent M is saying, even a voluptuous woman teacher who didn't dress modestly enough would be disciplined. Absolutely. Where are the lib feminists crying male privilege this time? The lib feminists are probably behind this man saying that anyone who said anything bad about him was um, body shaming, Maybe they were a bigot, you know, something like that. So, yeah, liberal feminism is like so toxic. You know, they want they want they they, they allow men into their fold, like men who were who are mentally ill, like men who dress up like women. Like what what could be what could be less good for women than men who dress up like women and think they're women? I don't know. There's very few things like that's like that's insane. That's absolutely insane. No normal man would want anything to do in a woman's space. He would say, okay, you've got your space you know, to, to be with women and I've got my space to be with men. So the dude Sean is saying, these times are horrible, <laughs> pathology, unstable. <laughs> yeah, I know, they really are. And Epiphany is totally right. And I know you've said this before. I don't understand why 3% of the population is able to force their agenda on the rest of us. Well, think about the world's foremost problem. You know, them, a small percentage, the rootless cosmopolitans. Why are they allowed to have everything, have the kosher label on it, for example, right? It's this like small little group that's controlling how people are, you know, speaking and saying things. It's really quite ridiculous. I think there was a case too, somewhere in Canada where some man um, What was it again? Some man refused to use someone's quote, pronouns correctly. And I think he's being held in jail or something like that. So I think he refused to, you know, basically work, work with or to, you know, basically de- work with the delusion of this transsexual and he wouldn't utilize what this transsexual or delusional person wanted to be called. And I think he's being jailed now or something like that. So I never would have thought in the 90s, something like this was even feasible, but here we are. It's really crazy. But like I said, maybe this this story of this, this guy in this costume will be a bit of like a quote, red pill for people, right? And they'll say, oh my God, yikes. This is what's going on in the classroom. I had no idea, right? And of course, you know, certain areas of the world are going to be more apt to do this. Like I know in places like uh San Francisco, this is a really big thing. So it really depends. Like I, I the people who I've talked to who are from like the south here in America, it doesn't really seem like it's really much of a thing there. So it really depends on the area. Just like, you know, the virus crisis is is um is more of a thing in certain areas. Veganism is more of a thing in certain areas. Like it it works in different ways. Effervescent M is saying there's a guy in jail for not calling his twelve-year-old daughter a he and not consenting to his ex-wife getting her a sex change. I think I might have heard of that one too. And now because this is becoming such a a a thing these days, I think when couples are getting married, they might even do something with a prenuptial that says, you know, if we end up parting ways, you know, we are never going to do this to our child. Like we're never going to trans our child or something like that. So it's reached such intense, like an intense point that this has actually ended up being like a clause for a lot of people. If they're doing like a prenup saying like, you know, you know we, we agree on things now, but you know, in the future, if we don't like, we both have to agree that we cannot do that. And this, this is probably one of the worst. I wonder sometimes if one of the other parents might take their aggression out on the other, uh, partner for maybe, you know, Quote ruining their life or whatever, and then uses the child as a pawn to get back at the parent. That is, that's beyond toxic. But I, I wouldn't be surprised if it's happening. Tragic, yes, exactly, extremely tragic. And of course, who ends up being the pawn in all of this? The youngster. It's bad enough for a child to get involved in the parents' dynamics and you know have the other parent shit talk the other parent. You know that's that's bad enough. But to actually use the child. And then have them be medically abused by Zog. I mean, that's, that's, that's low. That is, you can't go much lower than that, I don't think. So now I wanted to ask, answer some of the questions. Some people had asked some questions in the comment section um, for the last couple of shows that I just didn't get a chance to go through yet. So I wanted to just take a moment now to kind of answer those questions that people had asked me in the comments section. Let's see. So here's one from Dr. Professor Shrimp Biscuits. It's a pretty cool name. Here's a question. Are cold showers good for you? Read that a while ago, and apparently there are health benefits. What do you think? I think they could be refreshing. Um, I think it depends on someone's health. If someone's in a very, very stressed out state or is dealing with feeling cold all the time, it's probably not for them. Maybe if someone has cardiac issues, it's probably not for them too. But they can be refreshing. They can feel revitalizing. They can be a way to do some some vagus nerve toning. So I would just take into consideration your your unique constitution and lifestyle and figure out if they're a good fit for you. But I think they can be quite refreshing, especially after you've done some type of physical fitness where you feel warm and you want to cool down it's nice sometimes to kind of take a cool or a cold shower after you've taken your regular shower. So that's my answer in regards to cold showers. Another question is, was the question, uh, this was actually more of a, it was a comment. Okay. Here's a question. I grow my own coffee and marijuana. Does that make it any better? And I would say yes, of course, if you grow anything yourself and you can be control of, you know, what you're going to use chemical-wise, I think it's always going to be better than if you get something from somebody else. Um, the thing with, you know, coffee and, and ganja is that they they are stimulating, especially if you use too much of it. It can be overstimulating. And then sometimes, you know, dietary choices or lifestyle choices will kind of fall by the wayside, right? So we have to take into consideration, you know, what's our constitution like? What's our liver health like there's a lot of things like it's not just a black and white answer there's always reasons why some people can do something and fare better. some people can't do something and they don't do well, so it does make it better that you grow it yourself, but you know moderation and and balance with with everything in life right and also I would a- always um say that you know using any substance on an empty stomach is is really not a good idea and typically this is more something that happens with with coffee than marijuana but coffee on an empty stomach is not a good idea it's not good to have it first thing in the morning even tea i wouldn't have like first thing in the morning i always make sure i have some type of sustenance or food in my system first if i was going to have um you know like something like you know a coffee or a tea or something like that i'd make sure i had food in my stomach, I would also make sure that I was eating enough protein because it can drop your blood sugar, you know, and long term blood sugar drops are, are not good. They're not good for cognition, right? Even though people say that coffee actually gives them better cognition. I don't necessarily believe that is true. I think it may make you kind of like a faster paced, but I don't necessarily think it actually cultivates better cognition. So that's kind of how I would approach that, you know, keep things within moderation and make sure that Your lifestyle and your diet are nutritious and that's your focus, right? Because it's so easy to fall into something where all you do is take in the stimulants, right? It's like someone who let's say gets very habituated to alcohol. All they're doing is drinking. They may not even eat. They may just do something like crack an egg into a beer and and drink it down, right? So you have to always remember that the foundational aspects are having the good lifestyle and having the good food. And then these other things can be, you know, peripheral in some sense. But of course, if you do grow it yourself, it's, it's typically going to be, you know, a hell of a lot healthier. So another question from Dr. Professor Shrimp Biscuits, how many grams of protein should you consume in a day? Well, it would depend on the person, of course. Um, for a man, maybe a man might want to get a little bit more protein than a woman, especially if he's, you know, bigger. And if he's, you know, doing more weight training, has a very physical job typically men have more physical labor jobs not always true so factor in those types of things anyone who's dealing from a recovery of illness or what they call a healing reaction in dramatic new medicine you definitely want to consume more protein um pregnancy and breastfeeding would be times when when um protein consumption should go up right but i would say for a man i'd say about 90 to 100 grams per a day, like 70 to 80 for women, or 70 and 90 for women, and then like more for for men typically. But something around that that would be good. And remember to diversify the proteins. So oftentimes we're so caught up in just the consumption of muscle meat, which is fine, but remember there's also organ meat. Remember there's the gelatinous cuts because you know in this culture we're all about you know steaks and chops and ground you know or chopped or minced meat. Different words we use depending on where we are in the world, but the the organ meat is good. The gelatinous meat can be utilized to make stocks and broths. We can do collagen, gelatin, um, many dairy products, eggs, fish. Right. So just think about how you can diversify that. And a little tip that I like to do because oftentimes we get enough carbohydrates and lipids. That's typically not a problem for most people, unless they have like some very disordered beliefs about food. But to get an idea maybe track your protein for a couple of weeks or so. You can just do it lightly in your head, but I've made this list for myself. Just I just, you know, scratched it out with like pen and paper. It's nothing, you know, very technical. And I just wrote down my favorite sources of protein and how many grams per serving are in all of them. And I I just use that as my counter and it works very, very nicely for me. So I would suggest something like that. And a good way to kind of boost protein would be to add bloomed gelatin to broths and soups. That's a great way to boost protein, adding gelatin or collagen to milks and smoothies and shakes. So there's many kind of ways to kind of get it into your system, but you will function better with, um, with more. If you eat too little, it may harm your liver if you eat too much, it may harm your kidneys, right? Like some people who do those very, very, very high protein diets, like bodybuilding diets, typically they're very high in muscle meat and they're very high in like processed protein powders. But oftentimes those people will get kidney problems, right? So we don't want to have that. We say in TCM, the kidneys are the door to life. So there's a lot of chi that happens with the kidneys. So we don't want to really overdo um, that. But you know, within within reason and you know, certain days you may feel like you need more. Maybe you're feeling more active. Maybe you feel like you're tired and you need more energy. So, you know, you 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 adjust it to based on you know what works for you and things like that. And I know for myself as a woman, once I go through the first phase of my cycle and I'm in the second phase of my cycle, the appetite will raise when progesterone raises, right? So that's when I typically will maybe have appetite for more food, maybe want one extra meal or one extra snack. So I just, I listen to that, right? So that's pretty much what I have to say about, about protein, just making sure you're getting enough and diversifying your, your types. Don't just do like the muscle meat thing, because now we're seeing with this whole carnivorous uh, regime, you know, for a while we saw all these people who were doing the vegan thing, then they all came out saying they, they didn't feel good, they got emaciated, they felt you know weak and ill, and you know, all these things. Now we're seeing these people in this carnivorous regime who are coming out saying that they feel terrible by having no carbohydrates in their diet, or that they were just eating all muscle meat and now they have iron overload, you know, and and they feel like maybe their thyroid doesn't work because they were taking in too much, too much like you know, of just one style of, of protein. So whenever you swing the pendulum into the extremes. And Brazog always promotes extremes. That's like their goal to promote extremes. There's always going to be a price to pay living on those, you know, extremes. So just try to keep it balanced and lightly track things. If that's helpful for you, everyone has different things they do that are helpful for them, but lightly tracking things can actually kind of give you just a baseline idea. So that would be my answer to that question. And those are the only three questions we had. Okay, groovy. If anyone else has a question who's in the chat, feel free to um to ask the question uh, if you have anything you'd like to ask. Epiphany is saying, will your regular podcast be on Tuesday again or are you moving to Thursday? Just wanting to know when I should be washing my phone. I haven't decided that yet, actually. I'm not totally sure. I might just do like more of a free thing, like kind of like a freestyle type of thing. Um, but yeah, if I do think of something, I will... I will um it will definitely let you know, but yeah, I think I'm gonna be doing one. I don't know if I'm gonna be doing one every every week or so. I've got a lot of busy stuff I've been just doing in in general in regards to my my own life, but i'll I'll be doing probably at least like two shows a month anyway, you know, two full shows, and maybe I might go back since it's getting more of that cooler weather. I might go back to doing more of those little mini clips when I walk around and you hear the crunchy leaves by my feet, so I might go back to doing those little, uh, mini clips. I like doing those. Those are fun. So yeah, that's kind of like my schedule of what I, what I have going on for, you know, the fall and, and all that jazz. So yeah, let's see what else I have for my, uh, for my notes for today. Let's see. Okay. I think I went through what I had right there. That's good. Epiphany is saying I like the mini clips. Yeah, I like those too. They're, they're just like, it's nice to just be like, oh, a little something, right? Because sometimes I know listening to a whole show, it's like, oh, this is a lot, right? I know it can be like a lot to take in. Two hours is typically a lot of information. So those little clips are, are nice. They're like little tiny little things. So I think I have one more thing talk about and if he says feels like I'm hanging out with you yeah it does have that kind of like feeling it's like oh we're taking a walk together like that type of thing so it's it's a it's a cool thing and I, I I like just being able to walk around and do a broadcast that's kind of like a cool a cool feeling and it's nicer to do it in this time of year because less people are hiking as it gets colder and in the summer I'm more like apt to go to the beach and do stuff like that so So I have one more thing that I wanted to mention. It's a little thing about honey and honey, of course, is something that can technically be used in any season of the year, right? But something about the fall just seems kind of very honey-esque, if you will. So I wanted to talk a little bit about some honey-based remedies and even some things that you could make yourself. And I'm sure most of us listening probably have at least one jar of honey in the house, right? And there's many ways to have honey. You could do the creamy honey that has that very kind of like almost spreadable texture, like you could put it on toast. And there's what I call runny honey, the type that you just, you know, drizzle on. And then there's the honey that comes with the comb, right? So there's many ways to have honey. But here are some remedies that we can actually make using honey, which is really awesome. So there are several different types of preparations that combine honey and herbs, in a synergistic way. Some herbs are better in certain preparations in order to optimally deliver their therapeutic properties. So the first one is something that's known as an electuary. Maybe that's a new word for you. So electuaries are mixtures of raw honey and anything intended to promote healthy balance or benefit in the body. In modern times, this process has been used in veterinary medicine, particularly with horses, but it has a long history with humans as well. The electuary is mixed using raw honey, or dried, fresh plant material, as a base to which many other healing aids may be added. Electuaries are eaten by the teaspoonful and are intended to be delicious, often bitter, or unpalatable herbs herbs more agreeable to use in daily life. Since the honey is so sweet and unctuous, you take these herbs that are maybe a little on the bitter side, a little bit unpalatable, you mix it together with the honey, and then it just makes it a lot more palatable. And I remember being at this like holistic fair a few years ago, and I bought some electuaries from a lady, she had a turmeric one that was like dark, you know, yellow. And then she had one with marshmallow root and marshmallow root is really good for soothing um, the stomach and like the intestines. So something to think about there. And you can just make these yourself like if you just want to mix in a little bit of like turmeric powder. I would use the powder i wouldn't use the root because the root may add moisture to the honey and it could possibly mold unless of course you wanted to keep it in the fridge but yeah just making your own with with turmeric you could do that and something i did a year many years ago is i think i actually infused i took a bunch of garlic and i put it into a jar and I filled it with honey and then I gave it to one of my friends who had like a lot of upper respiratory uh, things going on. And she said that that garlic honey was like really helpful for respiratory issues. So these are gifts that you could start actually making now. So then when it's time for Yule, you'll have all these groovy homemade gifts to share with friends and family. How great is that? So infusions, that's another option. So first we have electuaries, which mixes raw honey and herbs together. Now we have infusions which are created by adding fresh herbs or spices to raw honey and allowing them to steep. There is no heat added in the process. Instead, infusions are stirred regularly and may be kept in sunlight for at least two and up to six weeks to allow the flavor to benefit the plant to be transferred into the honey. At the end of this period, the herbs or spices are strained out. The enhanced honey is then left to be eaten on its own or added to recipes. So let's say you took some lavender and you infuse honey with that or rosemary or whatever it may be. And you keep it in the sun, almost like you would a sun tea. So the heat of the sun can kind of, you know, cook, if you will, the essence out of the herbs into the honey. And then something like this, of course, like it says, could be eaten on its own, added to recipes, stirred into tea, lots of opportunities. Another thing is called an oxymel An oxymel is a blend of honey and vinegar. Enhance with herbs or a herb for the purpose of healing the body. The blend has been used throughout history as a vehicle for delivering herbs that some find unpleasant on their own. They can be enjoyed by the glass or blended into other recipes. And I went to a a farm market recently and actually bought this oxymelon. I'm not really a big vinegar fan in general. It's just not really what what I really like. I like more like lemon juice and stuff. But I got this oxymel and I took a little swig here and there and it was it was very nice. It definitely felt um, like it could have some healing benefits. I would just always chase anything that's vinegar. I would always chase it with a little bit of, of water just because vinegar is you know, very acidic. So, so far there's electuaries, there's infusions and there's oxymel. There's a few more. Tincturing. Tincturing is a similar process to infusion, but with alcohol um, or vinegar added to the honey Um, with herbs and spices. No heat is applied. Also, sometimes glycerin is used for tinctures, but alcohol is traditional. The mixture sits and is blended by frequent stirring over the course of four to six weeks. When time is up, the tincture is strained, the herbs are composted, and the resulting liquid is used in 30 to 60 drop dosages, depending on the herb. So that's another option right there, is to make a tincture. And not all tinctures contain honey. You can make tinctures that don't have honey. A tincture is just a way to... Uh, pull out the essence of the herb by using a medium like alcohol or glycerin in some instances i don't really like the glycerin ones because i feel like they're very kind of sticky and they can stick to the teeth but i guess for some people who don't want to take any alcohol for whatever reason that is they might find the glycerin ones more appetizing so another thing is something called peon p i a n and this is the chinese word for slices which is how pills were actually originally made this is interesting to make these pills powdered herbs or spices are combined with raw honey which forms a dough this dough is sliced into small bits and rolled to the size of shape and shape of a pea they are then eaten fresh or dried so pian which means slice in chinese is how we got the original version of a pill so the original pill Was herbs or spices mixed with honey and dried and now the idea of a pill is is very very different than that but that was our original therapeutic you know way of doing things was using herbs and honey not going to dr z for the white pills another way we can enjoy honey is by fermenting fermenting is a process of allowing the natural yeast and honey to eat away the sugar content and produce various levels of alcohol or and probiotics Fermented honeys can be amplified by adding healthful herbs, spices, or symbiotic organisms such as june. And june is very much like kombucha. The resulting beverage or food is eaten and enjoyed to improve digestive health. So something else there. So many ideas on how to use something very simple like honey. Yeah, and this all was coming from a little article that is... um, from a book called Sweet Remedies, Healing Herbal Honeys by Dawn Combs. And it's about using honey in this medicinal way, using honey and herbs in a medicinal way to make these wonderful remedies. So we can make a lot of our stuff on our own. That's part of this whole ancient credo of uh, blood loyalism, or ancestral rather, ancestral credo of blood loyalism, is, is taking our power back, right? Taking back our key, taking our power back, putting the power back into our own hands, right? Because we have a lot of power. It's just that we've been kind of uh, stagnated and abused in this modern day culture. And that's made it made it hard for a lot of us to even realize that we have this power, but we do have it. And this is a great time of year to be cultivating that power as well, because there's, there's a lot of essence going on in this time of year. So a good time to be cultivating all that, that autumnal magic. That's why I called it autumnal anew, because we're getting a chance to be anew. So, yeah. All right. So I think that's all I have for today's broadcast. Um, Kind of a little informal, kind of, you know, getting back on the horse, so to speak, uh, after not doing a show for a little bit of time. But I'll have many uh, topics as the season goes on, you know, things about Saline and and yule and all that groovy stuff and a lot of other interesting stuff that i've just been looking into um whilst i've been looking into stuff and i've even been uh, fixing to possibly do something like a cookbook, like um, that I might put out. So that would be a, that would be a good thing to have too. Just like a little book of of groovy recipes, tasty and groovy recipes, so we can you know feed ourselves well because food is a great way to connect, right? I mean, I, I love connecting with the people who are in the White Wellness Cooking Chat, you know, sharing what you're making and doing all that. So just just sharing a little bit of of, of future projects of things that I'm, I'm thinking about as we get more into the season. So yeah, I think I will end the show now, unless anyone has any questions they, they fancy to ask. Um, let's see, we're getting a message right here. Epiphany is saying, have a wonderful week, everyone. Yes, you too. So yeah, I think, I think I'll think i close the show out now. I'm thinking about dinner already. And I thank you for listening to Autumnal anew. I am your host, Tabitha. This is White Wellness Radio. Be sure to catch all the broadcasts on White Wellness Radio. Be sure to follow me on Telegram, Instagram, Patreon, and check out the archives too. There's about 300 shows, so there's a lot of information there. That still, most of it is very relevant. So if you ever want to check out the archives, it's a, it's a great place for uh, resources. So wishing everyone a wonderful Thursday, and we shall be connecting again soon. Satnam.